all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Here today with my guest, Dr. Travis King, Assistant Professor of Pharmacy Practice, also at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're talking all things medicines today. So if you have questions about why your healthcare provider may prescribe something, how you should take it, what you should do with it when you're done, give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The investigation into Russia's interference in the U.S. presidential election and alleged collusion with the Trump campaign continues to dog President Trump on his first international trip since taking office. NPR's Tamara Keefe says Trump is still facing questions about media reports that he revealed highly classified information to Russian officials in the Oval Office a day after he fired the FBI director who was spearheading the Russia probe. At a photo op with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, President Trump was asked by a reporter about his uh, sharing of intelligence information uh, with uh, the Russian foreign minister and Russian ambassador. And uh, it has been widely reported that the intelligence came from Israel. Uh, Trump responded saying, I never mentioned the word or name Israel, never mentioned during that conversation. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded saying, quote, intelligence cooperation is terrific. It's never been better. That's NPR's Tamara Keith. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn is declining to comply with a subpoena from the Senate Intelligence Committee. They're also investigating Russia's meddling in the election. NPR's Mary Louise Kelly reports Flynn plans to invoke the Fifth Amendment. The committee subpoenaed Flynn earlier this month for documents regarding his interactions with Russian officials. A source close to Flynn tells NPR that Flynn will not hand over the documents, adding, quote, he is entitled to decline under the Fifth Amendment. That amendment protects the right to refuse to answer questions in order to avoid incriminating oneself. Invoking it now may protect Flynn from being compelled to testify in person down the road. Flynn's testimony will also be sought by other congressional committees running Russia probes, as well as the FBI investigation headed by special counsel Robert Mueller. Mary Louise Kelly, NPR News, Washington. The management's changing at Ford. CEO Mark Fields is leaving and Jim Hackett, who runs the company's autonomous car division, is taking his place. NPR's Sonari Glinton reports Fields is credited with guiding Ford through the U.S. economic crisis, but confidence in Fields eroded in recent years 
as Ford watched its stock price drop significantly. Ford has a lot of things going for it. The Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle. It is now and has been for about 40 years. Right now, the American consumer is in love with SUVs and trucks, a strong suit for the car company. Though Ford's stock price has been weak and analysts are expecting sales to contract in coming years. Mark Fields has spent billions on new technology, though many have been urging the company to drop less profitable products. In Ford's case, that's many of its more fuel-efficient vehicles. Sonari Glinton, NPR News. The Dow is up 84 points at 20,888. This is NPR News. Both sides in Bill Cosby's sexual assault trial are hoping to have a jury selected this week. Though the trial will be held in suburban Philadelphia, jurors are being selected in Pittsburgh in light of the high-profile nature of the case. Cosby's attorney says the 79-year-old comedian is holding up fine. He's accused of drugging and assaulting a college basketball team manager in 2004. She was among dozens of women to accuse Cosby of similar crimes over the decades. Cosby maintains his innocence. Canada is among nearly a dozen countries that may move ahead with a Trans-Pacific Partnership trade pact with or without the U.S. But Dan Karpinchuk reports the Trudeau administration is still encountering a fair amount of opposition at home. Canadian trade officials say the TPP would be significantly different without the U.S. President Trump pulled out of the deal in January and some believe that would have been the final blow. Ministers at the Asia-Pacific Economic Conference in Hanoi have revived the deal, including Canada, but a Canadian social action group is opposed. The Council of Canadians calls the TPP a huge corporate power grab that should be abandoned. It takes issue with a provision that allows companies to sue governments over any regulations that reduce profits. There are also concerns over intellectual property provisions as well as possible job losses in Canada. For NPR News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. The governor of Puerto Rico is expected to ask a court to restructure the debts of the U.S. Commonwealth's public pension system, which is projected to run out of money this year. Governor Ricardo Rosselló says Puerto Rico has been unable to negotiate a deal with creditors to whom the island owes $3 billion. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from Blue Vine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to help them grow and expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Small business credit help is available at BlueVine.com and Americans for the Arts at AmericansfortheArts.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And here with me today, I have my guest, Dr. Travis King, Assistant Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Good morning, Travis. Morning. I'm so happy that you're here. I always get lots of questions that come in about medications, and now we've got our expert here that can answer those questions. So if you have questions or comments about medications or how to take them or how to store them or how to get rid of them, we would love to talk with you today. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. 
So, Travis, pharmacists are kind of one of those unsung heroes of healthcare. We typically just think of the pharmacist as the person that fills our medications when we get a prescription. But being a pharmacist and the job that you guys do is so much more than that. Tell us a little bit about what it means to be a pharmacist and what you guys do. Sure. So, you know, the pharmacy degree to me is probably one of the most versatile degrees as far as uh, laterality in your practice. Um, you know, certainly you have your very classic quintessential community pharmacist that you think of that fills your medications and kind of executes the prescriptions that you're given. Um, but, you know, again, the reality is you've got pharmacists in all aspects of uh, the pharmaceutical industry. You've got certainly academia within the schools of pharmacy, which is an exploding realm in and of itself. Um, your pharmacy benefits manager, your insurance companies will have pharmacy executives, pharmacists that are working for them to make sure that they're giving you the optimal choices within your plans. Um, and, and in this evolving healthcare environment, Currently, uh, you know, what that's going to look like in five years will also be very different. So I think it's an exciting new field to be in. Um, certainly, I'm, I'm biased being in academia. I, <laughs> I love having my students. But, um, you know, that's going to be a fun environment to be in five, ten years from now. And then there's the role of the clinical pharmacist as well on the hospital units, which is not something that maybe a lot of folks realize that they don't kind of, pharmacists don't just kind of live down in central pharmacy and dispense sure. medications down there. They're actually out on the clinical units with the physicians and the nurses. Sure. And they're looking at, you know, all the things that have been ordered, make sure that there's no interactions between any of those things. And they actually help us as healthcare providers dose things, you know, Coumadin and all those kinds of things. Absolutely. So, to me, a good clinical pharmacist is a nurse's best friend and a physician's best friend. And I know I bug ours uh, at the Children's Hospital a lot, but they are a wealth of information about they medications. Are. You know, and, and it's a, a really fun environment. That's my personal practice is uh, kind of a, a consultative services for infectious disease. Um, but it, it's a very different angle to view pharmacy practice from looking at it from almost the uh, diagnostic implementation of care right. rather than the provision of medication or provision of you know, fluids or whatever the hospital needs that you're delegated. Um, so it is. I think they're an invaluable resource. But it, but to your point, it's also they're part of a team. Mm-hmm. And, and that's ultimately what we're here for. Right. And I love to see the physicians, the nurses, and the pharmacists making rounds together and seeing patients together. You really get a more complete picture of what's going on with the patient and the best treatment modalities Absolutely. for that. So if you have questions for Travis or myself about medications or uh, what a pharmacist does, we'd be more than happy to answer those. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring And we're going to go to Bob in New Orleans. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I am great. How are you? I, I'm fine. I had one question. Sure. When listening to you talk, it actually prompted a secondary, which I'll ask second. Fantastic. Um, I take meloxicam okay. every night uh, before I go to bed. Just uh, playing football for all the years. I've got arthritis, I think, in my hips. And if I don't take it, I get hip pain when I'm, when I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like my hip joint will start to ache. So my physician initially had me on ibuprofen they's like now let's switch on that i'm concerned in terms of long-term use of bloxicam in terms of what is, is it the kidney or the liver that it affects so NSAIDs in general which would be certain the yeah. class medication bloxicam is concerning yeah. classically um alter the the hemodynamics of the the blood flow to the kidneys um right. so now my question is this is there is there an is there a natural alternative that i could substitute to re, to replace maybe i could go to half doses plus something that's more of a natural anti-inflammatory that might have the same end, end result the same efficacy to be honest with you probably not um okay. uh, not to discount the natural products side no, of things no, no, that's why um, I'm but 
you know, the reality is is that most of these medications have a very defined manufacturing process, a very defined medication content. Now, certainly a dose reduction, if you feel like you can get away with less for the same bang for your buck as far as pain relief. Um, well, what I, I mean, I, I usually take a half of, usually I, cause I, for the first two months I was taking it, I took a full pill every night, and then right. I basically take a half a dose every night, and it just kind of keeps it maintained, which is fine. So if that half dose is working for you, then that really is going to be your best bang for your buck as far as pain control. You know, the other flip side of that is, you know, have they done any kind of physical therapy or any kind of, you know, muscle strengthening exercises with you for that hip pain? Yes. Sure, sure, sure. Good, good, good. You know, because the the stronger we can make those muscles, ultimately the more um, friction is going to be taken off of that joint. Um, But, you know... Just like Travis said, the lower the dose that you can be on, the better. And, and I will preface well, that, that by saying, uh, you know, please, by, by no means, don't start altering all of your medication right. doses without talking to your provider and letting them know and having that conversation and engaging them. Um, but if it's a concern for yours, you know, you are your best advocate. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, it's just in terms of reading, and I see a lot of a lot of articles written on the long-term, um, potential long-term damage uh, internally to certain organs based on long-term use of, of, of something like an ibuprofen or a paloxicam because I think essentially they're the same class. They're just different dosages, I think, or different, maybe different delivery mechanisms. Uh, differences in, in selectivity and, uh, uh, and, and also durations of action and a little bit of how they right. work. But generally speaking, yes, same medication class. Okay. Now, one question I was listening to earlier when you were talking about clinical pharmacists now, when you say clinical, are you talking about compounding pharmacy, or is that something totally different? Well, from a, a very strict definition, um, those would be, in my opinion, two different answers. The flip side to that is that I'm, I'm of the opinion that every pharmacist is a clinical pharmacist. Um, you sure. don't check your clinical prowess at the door when you walk into your job, whatever that job may be. Um, now, what you choose to use that clinical prowess to do is different. And certainly compounding is one of those that's a very specialty area of pharmacy uh, that's very different than what we do. Now, I personally right. uh, do not do any compounding. Some hospitals okay. will. Pharmacies will. Um, I was just wondering because we order some uh, acne medication for my daughter, and we have to get it from a compounding pharmacy out of Lafayette mm-hmm. because they don't make it in New Orleans. So, um, and there's only certain pharmacies that are considered, quote-unquote, compounding pharmacies. That's great. I'm kind of curious. All right, Bob, we hope that helps today. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Which, uh, if you guys want to talk with us today, you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're answering your questions about medications today. We'll be happy to talk with you, or you can send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. So I'm actually glad that Bob brought up the category of medications of NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And so usually we think of ibuprofen because that's the most readily available one. You can just pick it up at mm-hmm. the store. Um, but there are a couple of other over-the-counter varieties as well. Probably the most common that people would think about would be Aleve, which is naproxen in there. And I want to talk about over-the-counter medications and why they're not necessarily just something we should just pick up and take willy-nilly. They have side Absolutely. effects to them as well, sure just because they're not a prescription medication. So talk to us a little bit about that NSAID class of medications. You already mentioned that it can cause some problems with kidneys if taken for you know too high doses or for too long a period of a time. What's some other things that NSAIDs might can do? Sure. So my, the, 
The biggest thing that scares me, honestly, about NSAIDs is their ability to cause renal dysfunction. Um, and and it, can, it really can be reversible. Uh, but a lot of times people don't think about it. You go out and you work a hard day in the yard. You sweat. You're a little dehydrated. You come in. You're, you're aching. You take two or three Advil um, or leave. Um, and now you've clamped down on that kidney. Um, and the, you know, ultimately, you can send yourself into a pretty severe acute renal dysfunction. The other component that we don't think about, particularly with chronic use, is the GI bleeds. Um, and so, you know, some type of internal hemorrhage in your in your intestinal tract, um, they are great at causing an ulcer. Um, and it's just the therapeutic component of the medication, um, as is the acute kidney injury. Um, and so it's more of a, you know, knowledgeable use of the medications and a controlled use of the medications rather than just, uh, you know, a disregard for any toxicity because it's assumed to be safe by nature of being over the counter to your point. So, you know, GI bleeds are a big problem that we do see with things like ibuprofen and Aleve and that kind of stuff. So if your healthcare provider has recommended you take those for some reason, always eat with that. Make sure Mm -hmm. you put some food in your belly before you take those because they can cause an ulceration in your stomach or in your intestines. So give give it a little blanket or a little cushion in there to let that pill kind of sit on top of and, and that will help with that. And then always pay attention to what your bowel movements are looking like. If you ever see your bowel movements change, if you see bright red blood or dark, tarry, sticky stool, Mm -hmm. that's usually where we see an upper GI bleed, what it looks like. Those are things you're going to want to talk to your healthcare provider about. We've got several calls, so we're going to go to Anna in Jackson with a um, question or a comment about natural anti-inflammatories. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Um, I just wanted to comment. Um, I know this is a show talking about pharmaceuticals, but um, I believe his name is Bobby was talking about... um, natural anti-inflammatories right. and I just wanted to offer up that curcumin which is derived from turmeric is a wonderful anti-inflammatory. Right. I agree. I've um, had several patients who have had kind of um, sprains or strains and that kind of stuff and they're actually made a paste out of turmeric powder and put that on on their skin on that area and had some relief mm-hmm. from that. Absolutely. So that was it. Well, thank you for that. And that is a, a very good um, a tip that turmeric has long been used as an anti-inflammatory. Um, do you have anything on that? No, I, w- I was going to say, you know, the, the there's a lot of power in natural products. Um, the problem is, is that we haven't fully fleshed that out from a research standpoint to understand which component of these extracts or, uh, you know, the compounds. And then furthermore, trying to replicate the production of these compounds and natural products in a lab to give you a product that's defined and controlled and Ideally, uh, standardized. It is what it says it is. Right. Um, that That's the problem that most natural products suffer from. Again, it's a billion, multi-billion, trillion-dollar business. Right. Um, right. So. A lot of them do work. What, and what you're referring to is the fact that, you know, kind of anybody can sell a product and say that it is this particular compound in it. But since it's not a you know, true pharmaceutical and it's not... Go, go, doesn't go through the pro- process of the FDA approval and all of that. We're not real sure if it is what it says it is. And so you can look on the bottle, though, usually things that are USP verified. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a little label on any of your supplements or your vitamins or minerals that you're looking at. That's a voluntary program that supplement companies go through to make sure it's kind of a little a verification that says, yeah, this says it's calcium and it, it is calcium. So that's a good tip when you're looking for um, supplements, which there are places for that. But what I would tell you to do is if you are using supplements, 
um, or, you know, kind of alternative therapies, please let your healthcare provider know. We want to know, not to judge you, but there are interactions between other medications and supplements, and we just need the full picture so that we know what you're using and we can make make our plan fit in to your plan as well. Absolutely. We're going to go to Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Yes. Hello. How are hey, you? Sue. I'd like to ask you a question sure. about uh, Keflex. I was given a prescription for Keflex and had it filled at a Fred's pharmacy, and it stinks. When I open the bottle, it, it, there's a strong odor to this medicine. I, I was afraid to take it, so I've never noticed, you know, real Keflex having that odor. Is it supposed to smell like that? Well, um, unfortunately, some medications do stink. Um, now, if, if it looks like it's been altered or I won't, I won't say tampered with, but if it's degraded or looks odd, looks discolored, um, if the capsules are broken or maybe you've gotten some moisture in there, certainly if it's expired, um, definitely would be a, a prompt of a phone call to the pharmacy to say, hey, you know. It, it, it's, a, it's a red capsule. It's Teva, T-E-V-A, mm-hmm. 3147 mm-hmm. written on it. I, I called I called Fred and asked him, did they get it from China? I mean, I don't want to take any <laughs> medications that come from China. They said, no, they got it from Pennsylvania. Yeah. It, it again, not being able to actually lay eyes on it, like I said, if, they, if there's any degree of concern, you know, you can certainly go back to your pharmacy and have them inspect it. Um, it again, if it's expired, um, certainly don't want to use that. But if it's if it's in date, um, and the pharmacy dispensed it to you, and it's been like that ever since they dispensed it. The medication is very likely okay. Yes. It's just unfortunately stinky. Um, but, you know, if you have any question, take it back to the pharmacy and let that pharmacist look at it. But don't just not take your medication because if the, your health care provider prescribed it, then, you know, there's a reason and they want to make sure that you finish that course. So if you're scared to take it, which, I, you know, I don't blame you, take it back and have them relook at it and make sure that, that it is, in fact, supposed to be that stinky. Okay, thank you. All right, Absolutely. my dear. Thank you. All right, we've got a couple of open phone lines. If you want to talk with us today about medications, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Paula in Tunica. Good morning, Paula. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. It's a pleasure to listen to your program. I'm a retired RN, and um, I have a I'm a train wreck for diagnosis. Oh no. Some of my three primaries are, uh, first of all, I have lupus, and then uh, two types, discoitus and systemic lupus, and then I have uh, diabetes and fibromyalgia. My problem is the diabetes uh, the last year has recently not been able to be controlled with oral medication, so we have added insulin along with that. I take Lantus and Novulog. Okay. I've noticed that uh, with the well, uh, Novulog, I don't seem to have any type of problems, physical problems with it, but when I take my Lantus, I'm getting uh, at time after about three weeks, I kind of got non-compliant there just to see if this was the problem. And I told my, my doctor and I are really close friends, and he said, you're, you know, you're the patient. I can't make you do things. But I said, I want to see if this is a problem. So I backed off of my insulin and went, knowing, you know, I would have a high A1C. But mm-hmm. my problem is I would have a pitting 
edema uh, uh, right midway calf down to my uh, ankles and feet, hitting plus three and four, mm. if I take my lantus after about three weeks of um, dosages. Is this an adverse side effect, or is this something that I might be allergic to it? Um, he told me that it was in my mouth. <laughs> I can't seem to, but it, you know, my legs are kind of, my symptoms are acting like a child. When you go in the doctor's office, they, everything gets well. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? It's like when you take your car to the dealership and everything is back, back normal. Um, exactly. Do you have any input on that? Do you think that that is an adverse side effect or is it an allergic reaction or? What would you think? Honestly, you know, it, it would be a little bit atypical. Um, now, do you find yourself drinking more water? Um, certainly, you know, polydipsia, the need to drink more water and the kind of a craving of water is certainly associated with diabetes. Um, right. Obviously, I try to not overload my um, – I, I drink at least four to five bottles uh, uh, the 16 ounce bottles of water a day on a regular basis but and and I try to and I've had to cut out all sodas and um I just um I couldn't figure it out you know just, and my kidneys are working fine um it just it, it just struck me as something unusual you know that uh the shiny legs and the edema and all that stuff. or it could be that I also have fibromyalgia, and there's times where I am uh, unable to get out of bed due to right. the fibromyalgia, so it could be that I'm sedentary. Maybe that's causing it, do right. you think? Now, do you find when you're when you're unable to get out of bed, do you find that the swelling is still in your legs, or is it more in kind of your butt and, the, and your back area? Never goes any further than mid-calf. Okay. Because, you know, usually when we're thinking about people who are not able to move around and we're talking about dependent edema, it's usually whatever area is got the most right. gravitational pull on it. So, you know, yeah. if you're if you're unable to get out of the bed, I would expect dependent to edema to be more on your you know, your butt bone or the back of your legs or your, your back. You know, there are kind of various causes for edema. Yeah, I'm like Travis. I would... I would would think it would be very atypical. I Go ahead. I also raise my legs whenever I'm, you know, they are right. full and I sleep with them elevated. Right, you know? right. You know, since you're tolerating the Novolog well, you know, I don't necessarily think it's an allergic reaction or anything like that because, you know, insulins are essentially the the same thing they just had they're just kind of tweaked a little differently to have different onsets mm -hmm. peaks and durations so you right. know if you're going to be allergic to one you should be allergic to to most of them unless it's you know one of the older pork insulins or something like that that we don't really use anymore um yeah. you know and swelling to the degree that you're describing is not something that we typically see with insulins now i never say Never, because there's always, you know, somebody who'll have a different reaction to something. But I would think that it most likely is not that. Um, you know, another thing, you said your kidneys were fine. Another thing we look at is what your protein levels are, because, you know, protein is what helps hold fluid inside our blood vessels, you know, albumin. And so, you know, sometimes if your protein levels get kind of messed up, you're unable to hold on to that fluid and it kind of goes out into the tissue space and you'll get that swelling there. Um, so those are some things to look at. 
my urine is a, a very clear color. Mm-hmm. It's not concentrated or anything mm-hmm. during that time. Is that normal? Or? Urine should be clear to straw colored, odorless, and it shouldn't have a lot of foam on the top. Foam is a sign of protein in your urine as well. Um, the only way to truly tell if urine is normal or if your kidneys are normal is to look at your kidney function, which is your BUN and creatinine tests, which are blood tests. Exactly. All right. Well, I'll keep it on. And it could be that uh, I may be not taking Should I take the insulin and wait a little while and then eat my meal? Uh, because what I've been doing is just taking the insulin and sitting down to my plate. Do I need to take take the insulin and, and let it then give it time to activate a little bit and then eat my meal? The Novolog? Uh, for either. Well, the Lantus is relatively peakless and doesn't have a very sharp onset. So you just take it around the same time of the day within about an hour of each other. So if you take it at 8 o'clock at night tonight, then, you know, within between seven to nine the next night you agree with that travis absolutely um and and the the schedule to do this should also be pretty well articulated on your prescription label um pursuant to whatever the doctor ordered um and novolog novolog acts very very quickly it's got an onset of about 10 minutes or so so i actually tell people to be looking at their plate of food when they give themselves their injection, especially if you're ordering out at a restaurant, you don't want to give yourself your Novolog and then go into the restaurant and then the kitchen get backed up and then your food doesn't come out for 30 minutes. So I hope those things help, Paula, and I hope your swelling gets better. And if you guys have questions for us today about medications, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back after the break. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. With the nation years into a recovery, food aid is dwindling for hungry people in places like southwestern Virginia. Used to, my man would go over there, that guy with the hat on there, he might go over and get two pickup truckloads. Now, even over this morning, got three boxes. I'm Ari Shapiro. Surplus food and empathy are scarce. Who is caring for America's poor? This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. 
Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here with my guest, Dr. Travis King, assistant professor of pharmacy practice at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we're talking all things medications today, and we do have some open lines, so if you would like to talk with us, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, but earlier on in the show, we were talking about the difference between over-the-counter medications and prescription medications, and we talked about the NSAID class, were your ibuprofens, Aleves, that kind of medication. But I want to talk about Tylenol because that is another very, very common medication that I would say probably more than 75% of folks have a bottle of Tylenol somewhere in their house. But it is not harmless either. Talk about Tylenol and what, what the deal with that is. Sure. So Tylenol, to me, is probably one of the sneakiest medications, um, and it's an excellent example for brand recognition and value. So Tylenol is unbelievably pervasive in over-the-counter medications, even prescription medications. Um, but to your point, it's not non-toxic, and specifically, you can have a lot of liver issues with that, and and, and oftentimes, you don't realize it. Certainly, you're not doing this to yourself, right? Um, but... Any of your Tylenol products over the counter, a lot of your generic cough cold medications, um, the liquid medications for the sniffles, many of these, if not all of them, will have some degree of Tylenol in there. Um, and we've known that this is a toxicity for some time. The FDA recently uh, has provided some recommendation, and the manufacturer of Tylenol also provided some recommendations. And ideally, we've gone back from that four gram dose down to a three grams, uh, and it's 3,000 milligrams. Um, as a total daily dose for Tylenol. Um, on the prescription side of things, they've cut the component of Tylenol that's in many medications, um, particularly your pain medications. They've dropped that to a, a maximum of 325 per tablet to cut back on a lot of this toxicity that we weren't, maybe I won't say we weren't recognizing, but um, if we can do something to better control that, then right. let's let's help right. the patient out. And, of course, the, the drug that's in Tylenol is acetaminophen. So when you're looking at all these combo medications that are out there, all these cold and flu and runny nose and sneezing, all these multi-medication um, preparations, you're looking for that acetaminophen on the back of it. And that counts into that 3,000 milligram total Absolutely. that you were talking about. So um, I'm usually a, a recommend don't buy those mixture medications because a lot of times you don't have all those symptoms on there. You know, you'll see it says cough suppressant, runny nose, and headache and fever. Well, if you don't have headache and fever, you don't need that combo one. Just get something for your runny nose. Absolutely. So make sure that your symptoms are matching the product that you're buying. And if you are taking that, then you certainly don't need to take Tylenol on top of that. And then you mentioned the reformulation of the prescription medications. You know, we used to see like Lortab, Lorset, 5 500 and it had 500 milligrams mm-hmm. of Tylenol in it. And now we see the Norcos that have 325 right. in them. And that's an important thing to think about if you're coming home from surgery and you, you've been given some of these pain medications is, you know, they have Tylenol in them. So don't add extra Tylenol on top of that because you can get very, very quickly to that minimum, um, I mean, that maximum three grams a day sure. of Tylenol. And if you have already have a liver problem, let's say you've had a, you know, um, a liver injury or something like that, then you're going to need even less. Because I like to be complicated, I actually had Steven Johnson syndrome to ibuprofen. 
And so then all I could have was Tylenol for pain, but I had to actually go down to the two gram at max on that because my liver was injured from the ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the only person in the world who has Stephen Johnson's to to ibuprofen, but I like to be weird. And so that's, that's how that went down. We got a call in Woodville with Lee. Good morning, Lee. Good morning. Lee, are you there? Good morning. Good morning. morning. Yes. I just would like the um, the nurse practitioner and the pharmaceutical man there to explain to the listeners about protonics. I had a stroke and I had been placed on a, a numerous other medications with the medications I already had. And the doctor at the University of Mississippi Medical Center placed me on protonics. Let the people know what it is. I'm going to hang up. All right. Sure. So protonics is one member of class of medications called proton pump inhibitors that basically work to suppress acid production in your stomach. People typically use them. There are some prescription. There are some over-the-counter. Um, it's product-specific. But use them if they have an indigestion or some type of upset stomach. Um, people who may have had a um, gastrointestinal ulcer will be placed on these. It's kind of prophylaxis. Um, so they're, they're very effective at suppressing acid production for a prolonged period of time and they're they're very convenient if you have these symptoms but they're also not benign um it seems like this medication class comes out with a new warning um, at least once a month Um, and they have been associated with certain infections um particularly in the in an inpatient setting um certain diarrheal illnesses um they've been associated with fractures and mineral loss and electrolyte imbalances and again it sounds scary but they're very effective, and the right patients that need these should be treated with them to prevent the illness or to treat the illness that they have. But they shouldn't be done flippantly, particularly now with the over-the-counter products. Right. A lot of them are over-the-counter. We use protonics a lot inpatient because if you've, let's say you've had a stroke, you've had a heart attack, you've had some kind of major event, your body's already stressed, and the increase in gastric acid that can happen under that stress can actually kind of make you more prone to throwing up and having, you know, sucking that back down and having an aspiration pneumonia. Or we know patients that are in the ICU and are are there for a long period of time are more prone to GI ulcerations as well. So we use protonics a lot in the IV form uh, in the hospital for those types of things. And then sometimes if people are on medications that uh, we know cause ulcerations in the, the GI tract. We'll put them on one of those proton pumps inhibitors. Like if you're going to be on steroids for a prolonged period of time, like prednisone, those are notorious for kind of causing ulcers in, in the GI tract. And so we'll give you a little bit of a proton pump inhibitor with that to keep it from, from happening. Mm-hmm. So they they are appropriate in certain situations, but definitely, again, not one of those over-the-counter meds we should just pick up and take just because we feel like we have some heartburn. Absolutely. Definitely in consultation with your um, health care provider. you got to remember it's altering the, the – the acidity of the stomach that can also play a role in other medications that need a certain acidic environment in which to work. So if you're, again, if you've picked one of these up over the counter and are taking them, please make sure you let your healthcare provider know so that we know what medications not to use when taking care of you. Absolutely. And I will use this as a chance to plug the Plavix clopidogrel um, interaction with some of the PPIs where it actually decreases the efficacy of the medication. And this is a drug that people who have had um, either potentially uh, bypass surgeries or cardiac stents that are going to be on so that they don't re or have another clot. Um, 
if you are on that medication or any blood thinner for that matter before you start a PPI or some other medication, absolutely consult your health care provider. Excellent. And so it's a large chunk of our uh, population here in Mississippi has, has had some form of cardiovascular event and are all on one of these blood, thir- blood thinners, whether it be Plavix or Coumadin or any of those medications. So always let us know everything you're on so that we can make the best informed decision about taking care of you. If you've got questions for us, we would love to talk with you this morning. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can send us an email at fit at Now, one question that I always get is where do you store your medications? Because I know most of us, or at least where I used to keep mine, was in the bathroom. And so I've heard that that's not a good place to keep them. Is that true? Well, medication should should be stored in a safe place. Now, obviously, safe also is meant to protect the medication. Um, You don't want it to be exposed to direct sunlight. You don't want it to be disposed to, you know, the the elements, heat, cool, where it shouldn't. Um, But it also depends on what's in your household. Um, If you are a single individual who lives by themselves, you don't have any visitors, it's in theory less important that you store them at a certain height that little arms and little fingers can't grab. Um, But being consistent, storing them on a flat surface, a dry surface, ideally, depending on what they are, particularly for the narcotic medications um, or those that have diversion potential, storing them in a cabinet that's either locked or secure. Um, also storing them away from your spouse's medications. And again, this so that you don't pick up the wrong. You bottle. don't pick up the wrong one. People do it all the time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's benign, sometimes it's not. But you want to make sure that there's a very clear delineation as far as whose medication is whose, um, but that they're also stored in a way that makes that very clear. Um, yeah. And I love that you mentioned a locked cabinet. So that's uh, being a pediatric nurse. That's you know my tip is. We've often told people, make sure you store your medicines up high. But as a mom of two little boys, you can't get high enough to out-climb them. They are little monkeys, and they will climb up on everything. So if you've got little kids and you've got medications, you know, get you a little lockbox and store those in there. Because I have seen uh, too many children get a hold of some medications and then wind up in the, the ER with us getting worked on. If you've got a question for us about medication safety or storage or disposal or any of those things, we'd love to talk with you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring and we'll be back after the break. Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. 
you count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here with my guest, Dr. Travis King, also an assistant professor but of pharmacy practice at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're answering your questions about medications and medication safety today. We've got a couple of open phone lines. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Before we went to the break, we were talking about how to keep those medications safe with those kiddos, and we were talking about up high and locked. And another thing I wanted to make sure that uh, we covered was that we don't tell kids medications are candy. I've seen lots of folks, you know, because you're trying to get that medicine in your kid. You know, you you know they need it, and you're trying to get it in, and so you're like, it's just like candy. But that's actually a dangerous way to do that because kids like candy candy and they 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 don't understand the difference in medication candy and real candy and so if they can get a hold of that bottle or get the top off of that then they think you know one piece of candy is great 10 pieces of candy is even better and even something as benign as a multivitamin when taken in large quantities can cause problems absolutely you could have too much iron and that is a it's very very hard to treat to get all that iron off with that so do not call uh, medication candy we've got a call from tina in union county good morning tina good morning how are you i am great how are you i am doing good uh i had a question about uh i want to get back to tylenol Mm -hmm. i take those and for pain Mm -hmm. now that's just about as i guess as bad as whatever the doctor ever recommend me to take it. I take the 500 milligrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was calling, uh, are there any any dangers in taking taking those in the 500 milligrams? I, and I add a dose. I normally take like two. Two at a time? Yes. And how often? Well, I try to go uh, like about every, every four, what, I would say about twice a day. Twice a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that looks like that's putting you at about 2,000 milligrams a day, which is under that kind of maximum dose, but it would also depend on what other kind of, you know, how, how healthy your liver is and other medications that you're on that would affect your liver. Travis, anything else on that? Absolutely. Uh, the, the dose you're on is, is appropriate. Um, the interval that you're taking it on, if it's every 12 hours, is also appropriate. Um, the only other thing that I would add is that if you, drink socially um, or consume any type of alcoholic beverages, that that alone um, can impact the function of liver, particularly in high quantities. Um, And certainly that in combination with Tylenol uh, or acetaminophen 
um, may have some type of a worse outcome um, if done for a prolonged period or at high enough doses or high enough concentrations. Um, well, at one time, I would like to add that uh, they did blood work, and they asked me to drink plenty of water, and I wondered, was, could that have been something there about that or... That was probably more kidney function if they were asking you to drink more water. Because sometimes if we don't give our kidneys enough fluid, it will make us have something called an acute kidney injury where we're a little little dehydrated and it causes our kidney function to kind of go haywire. And we usually, if it's not very severe, we start with just trying to push more fluids by mouth to kind of make those numbers even out a little bit more. But just have a real frank conversation with your healthcare provider and say, this is the amount of Tylenol I'm taking per day looking at all my other medications and any conditions that I have, is this mm-hmm. the, the the safe dose for me? Okay. All right? Okay, okay. thank you very much, and have a good day. Thanks, You're you so too. welcome. You too. All right, we're going to go to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, as usual, thank you for such a great show. Well, you're welcome. Um, thank you for listening. I've got a, I've got a tip. Hope, hope it might help some people out there. All right. Um, uh, uh, for, as far as storage of mm-hmm. medications, um, take a magic marker or take the little dots, you know, like you use on office fold, you know, file folder mm-hmm. things um, and stick those or nail polish, you know, but paint the caps on the medications. You know, if, if you've got someone else living with you um, or a child or whatever, Say for a child, put Hello Kitty on, you know, a little girl. Right. Um, or or um, it, it just takes a few seconds. And as you were saying earlier, to have confusion with something that is should be considered serious. Right. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you don't want to make it too much fun, of course, and you, but you don't want it to be within their reach anyway. Like you said, the monkeys. <laughs> right, right. And a different color kind of color code for each family member is a great idea we actually do that in the hospital as nurses we do your different iv lines different put different colored stickers on there so we can keep track of what medications are going through each line through there and that's a good way to kind of keep um, everybody's medications uh, separate because bottles look they look the same they're all that um, super attractive orangey amber color with a with a white lid on top and it just reminds you, you know, instantly right. instead of, you know, um, wondering about it. Like I said, even nail polishes that you don't use, which they're all, oh, they're wonderful nail color polish things. I don't put them on my nails. I use them to polish. T- well, that's another story. Uh, my, <laughs> qu- my question is, um, being the genius that I am um, and trying not to wake up my dogs, I decided to give myself uh facial plastic surgery by falling into not just one but two layers of windows okay oh my goodness <laughs> yes Ouch. so um now i'm getting uh i've never had um although i've had uh, uh things with stitches previously i've never had anything on my face and i've also never had the absorbable stitches um, stitchery before mm-hmm. um most of it has done pretty well it's been a little it's getting on a month now okay but my instructions say um put sunblock on it now i'm thinking that definitely i want something that's fragrance free Mm -hmm. and definitely i want to do as much as i can with hats or whatever which people are used to me looking ridiculous anyway so that's no problem um uh 
can you give me advice on the best way to take care of this? It's a, I was so lucky. I didn't lose an eye. I didn't lose an ear. I didn't gash through my carotid oh, artery. Um, but I want to do the best I can to make the best because the doctor, the emergency room doctor, God bless him, he did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to do the best that I can on my part to right. make sure that it comes out as, as good as possible. And so you still have stitches on the outside? Uh, no, they they have, they apparently are absorbable. Okay, so um, everything's gone off the outside. Except for, you know, the, the healing scar. Right, this, the skin. But everything that they put in you or on you is, is gone off of your skin. As far as I can tell, okay. yes, ma'am. What they're talking about with that sunblock is that, you know, that new skin that's healing right there is going to be very, very sensitive to the sun and more prone to a burn. And then, of course, the more burns you have, the more likely it is to develop some kind of skin cancer. So um, I would get a sunscreen that's formulated for the face because some of the ones that you put on the body are a little thicker and may stop up your pores and make you have acne like a teenager. So they make some that are specially made for the face that you can put on there. Again, I would do fragrance-free because anything that has fragrance in it may irritate that new skin right there. And then just, like you said, a hat and trying to stay out of that direct sunlight as much as you can. you got to work outside. You work See, outside? The, yeah. I have got to. I don't... I, it's, it, yeah. There's just some stuff you've got to do. Right. And that's something that I've got to do. Right. So that's try, and, I, try and stay out between 10 and 2. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., that's when the sun is um, brightest, and that's when there are the most UV rays present, and those are the ones that do more damage to your skin. So if you can go kind of early in the morning, which this being, you know, you're in Alabama, I know it's just as hot over there as it is over here in Mississippi. So the earlier morning and the later afternoon are going to be better all the way around just to keep you from getting too, too hot. Which is why it's fortunate that I wake up at 4.30. My goodness. And go to sleep at 7. Do not call me at 4.30 in the morning because I am still asleep. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help and thanks for the great show. You're so welcome. Thank you. All right. So we've talked about storage of medications. And then I had a question come in across my social media that asked about how you get rid of medications. So first I want to talk about what medications you should never really probably ever have extra of, which would be antibiotics. Antibiotics and and, and lots of other medications. But yeah, ideally you're being very compliant. Anything that's a scheduled medication from a a day-to-day standpoint, your blood pressure medication, you know, you really should be staying up to beat on that. Medications, antibiotics, specifically something near and dear to my heart, um, prescribe for a defined course. Right. Um, Usually seven days, 10 days, 14 days, something like that. And you should take them all usually. You should take your medications in in its entirety. Now, we can talk about appropriateness of antibiotics for viral illnesses and whatnot another day. Yes, yes. Um, But Antibiotics are not for the common cold. (laughs) But, you know, I often see patients who will call and say, well, you know, I had some antibiotics left over and I started taking those. Well, there's two problems there. You know, you may have a, a reinfection because you didn't finish all your antibiotics to start with, and now you've just made a, a bacteria that's kind of mad at you and is going to be harder to treat. And then you may not have a bacterial infection now that you're, it, you've started taking with these antibiotics, and now it's hard for your healthcare provider to tell whether it was a bacterial infection to start with or whether you had a virus. So those medications you should you take all of, and if not, 
you know, if you had a reaction to it or something, throw those away. What we often see people having extra up are pain medications because, mm-hmm. you know, you go in, you have a procedure done, you have surgery, you get your, you know, your 20 of, of Norco, Percocet or whatever for that. And you only take them for a couple of days. What do you do with the rest of those things? Sure. So those are obviously a very contentious class of medications. Um, the, the easiest recommendation I can provide is to call your local law enforcement. Um, the DEA has done a great job and kind of implemented these strategic initiatives to have drug take-back programs and drug take-back days. Um, as the School of Pharmacy, we often sponsor one, or our student association will sponsor one that we just had in Pearl at Trustmark Park, um, where they come in and people bring their medications before the baseball game. We collect them, surrender them over to the officials, um, and they cart them off. If you can't do that... There are some medications, particularly the opioids and, and other narcotics, that can be flushed. Um, that's a very uh, small, almost a boutique list of medications, but you can find it on the FDA's website. In fact, if you if you Googled medication disposal, um, one of the first few links that should ever come up is going to be the FDA's recommendations on how, um, uh, what you can do with those, um, what can and can't be flushed. Uh, for those that are not on that flush list, the recommendation is to mix it with dirt, um, kitty litter, coffee grounds, put them in a Ziploc bag, um, and dispose of them in the trash. That's actually what came across my social media. Somebody asked if, if mixing them with coffee grounds was uh, appropriate to mm-hmm. do. And so you're just trying to make them non-palatable. Because <laughs> nobody is going to scrounge up some dirt and coffee grounds to get a little bit of that Absolutely. pill out there. So look for that list of medications that you can flush. And if not, then crush those and mix them with something that you would not want to eat, like kitty litter or coffee grounds or dirt. We've got an email um, from a caller who says that their doctor is prescribing opioids without patients asking and pushing drugs. How do you handle a situation like that as a patient? That's a tough one. Um, you know, certainly if, if you feel that there's any degree of impropriety going on within the healthcare setting, you, you're almost obligated to report that to some official. Um, so if, if there's clear evidence of this, and this can be, obviously be done very anonymously. And, right. Um, but you want to make sure that, that that particular individual, if truly are diverting narcotics, is off the streets, out of the clinics, and not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how to handle a, a physician that's writing appropriate prescriptions or writing legitimate legal prescriptions, giving the patients. Now, patient, it, it, depending on what it is, you don't have to fill that. Right. If you feel that you don't need the narcotic, and this is a, you know, a medication you don't want to pay for, it's not necessary... You don't have to fill it. You can file it with your pharmacy and ask them to set that on file for you. And when it's gone after the expiration of the prescription, it will just expire off like it never happened. Um, so that, that, that's, a, that's a different situation. Um, it's an unfortunate situation if, if the physician or it's the provider is right. actually doing that and, and you know, prescribing against the will of the patient. Other option is to, quote, unquote, fire your provider. Um, if you feel that this is a, a not a safe situation, again, as, as a patient, you're your best advocate. Um, mm-hmm. Find someone who you can trust because it is, it's is—it's—it's about the relationship that you develop with your provider, the relationship they develop with you, um, and make sure that both of those are working synergistically to optimize your health care. Right. It may be that, you know, the physician feels like that medication is appropriate for your condition, which would be an appropriate prescription and an appropriate use of, of you know, a narcotic prescription. But if you're not going to take it or you don't feel that you need it, you know, that's a conversation you've got to have about this is, sure. this is not the treatment plan I want to be on. And if they still don't listen... 
don't fill it and you know find a provider who will listen to you we have had a fantastic show today and we thank all our callers and our listeners and i thank uh, travis king for being so, with me today to be here. if we did not get to your question or you uh, still have questions about medications and safety you can give us um, an email at fit at mpbonline.org be sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full southern remedy lineup and you've been listening to southern remedy healthy and fit on mpb think radio 